Hello, Silverliners. Welcome back to another episode of the Lunch Ladies News Wrap. I'm cafeteria ringmaster Elizabeth Coyne, here once again with our lion tamer, Diana Gubert. Diana, welcome to the podcast. Come one, come all, to the cloudiest table of them all, Liz. I think you're losing it there a little, Diana. But you are right. We're serving up another helping of cloud news headlines from the past week with a special commentary from Google Cloud's new telecom, Chief Anchor Jane, who Diana met with at Google Cloud Next last week. But before we get to the meat of the episode, let's have a look at our appetizer for the week. This time, it's from Yum Brands, the company that owns Pizza Hut, KFC, Taco Bell, and the Habit Burger chain. This week, they tapped Treasure Data as their customer data platform. I've never heard of them, but it seems like Treasure Data provides a cloud platform that allows enterprise customers to unify all first, second, and third-party data, which creates a single view of customers across multiple brands. It's pretty interesting stuff, and it sounds a lot like what some of our other favorite appetizer stories, like Wendy's is doing. I think also, uh, wasn't it IHOP, Diana? Or Waffle uh, House, the Pancake yeah, House. One of those. It was something breakfast related. Something breakfast related, <laughs> but a lot of these fast, yeah, a lot of these fast food chains are using the cloud to their benefit when it comes to customer experience. Yeah, and I think Yum is. Aren't they the same company that acquired AI startup Dragon Tail back in 2021? Right. Yep, it seems like they're way ahead of the curve on that. We'd love to have Yum or Treasure Data on the show to tell us more. So if you're listening, Yum, give us a call. But for now, on to the main course. Diana, what do we have for today? Okay, okay. We already covered the big takeaways from Google Cloud Next in episode five. You guys, if you haven't heard that, go back and listen. But I had an interesting conversation with Google Cloud's new telecom chief at the show. As Liz mentioned, that's Anchor Jane. And one of the things I asked him was, what workloads are operators moving to the cloud first? What's going to the cloud and what, if anything, is staying on-prem? And here's what he told me. We're seeing a lot of customers moving over, let's say, their um, IT systems, their uh, data workloads, um, their analysis of data workloads, um, um, as well as running AI applications on uh, the uh, cloud. We're also seeing them, uh, on the other hand, we are seeing them run workloads like Packet Core uh, uh, on-prem uh, using uh, using infrastructure such as Google Distributed Cloud. What we are then, uh, however, we also see coming back to public cloud, people running, let's say, backup and disaster recovery. Uh, for uh, packet core running in the public cloud. So Liz, you just heard that clip. And the part that stood out to me were his comments about the packet core, right? These are sensitive workloads. Everybody knows telco is 5.9's reliability and all of that. But the fact that operators are starting to run things like packet core in the public cloud, even if it's just for a, a backup packet core, that feels significant to me. And he also mentioned that there's interest in running other network workloads on the cloud. That kind of interest is increasing. So maybe we're at a turning point. I don't know. What do you think? I think we could be getting there. I don't think operators are 100% ready to go full on cloud native with their core networks yet. But we are at a turning point for sure. I think already Dish Wireless has got their cloud native 5G network. 
They don't seem to, they've rolled it out, but whether or not they're making any money on it isn't exactly clear. I think as long as they can get the five nines and, and also monetize it, they might be shifting to the cloud. But I do think that monetization is really interesting. But there's another piece of news that I wanted to highlight this week, Diana. And it's it comes from an email that I got from a company called Momentable. And they're talking about the use of AI and its direct relationship to exacerbating existing environmental problems. This email said that training just one deep learning algorithm can release 13 tons of CO2, which is five times what the average car emits in its entire lifespan. And not only that, but an AI model can require significant amounts of computational power, which in turn requires a large amount of energy. And I think You talked with some folks about this at Google Cloud Next last week, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So I was in a customer panel about the Vertex AI and Duet AI announcements that Google Cloud had. I think the panel included Deutsche Telekom, SAP, a company called Cohere, Google Cloud. I think there was one other person on there. I can't remember off the top of my head. That was one of the questions I asked them, right? On Silver Linings, we've been writing all these stories about how AI is driving GPU usage and how GPUs are higher power and consume more energy. And so I asked the customers on that panel, I said, how do you square the fact that AI uses more energy and with things like your sustainability goals? Because that's something that not just telcos are pursuing, but everybody across the spectrum. And the answer I got is basically that AI will help them save and become more efficient in other areas such that they still believe that even with the amount of power and and stuff like that used by AI and data centers for AI, they still believe it fits within their sustainability targets. So we'll see how that evolves. But again, I think it's something that bears watching as the space continues to evolve. Yeah, absolutely. Dan Jones is going to be following up with uh, Momentable, the company that reached out to us and setting up an interview. So listeners, definitely keep an eye out for that story in the next couple of weeks. Diana, do you have another story that you want to highlight? Yes, please. So I wanted to highlight a story about technical debt that I wrote this week. After an interesting conversation with a couple different folks at Cloud Next, I think one was with Wayfair. Another was with, it might have even been Oh, it was Gartner, I think. Anyway, so technical debt refers to all the shortcuts that IT departments have taken over the years, all those non-optimal deployments and patches that have been put into place just to get things to work, right? You're scrambling, it's the weekend, something goes down, so you put a patch in place and the system works, and then you never go back and fix it, right? So that's technical debt. And as it turns out, as people are trying to move to the cloud, all of this debt, all of these shortcuts are finally catching up with them. They're trying to move to the cloud in part to take advantage of AI, but at the same time, it seems like AI could be part of the solution. I think you had a conversation with Texas A&M's CTO person a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned he was also talking about technical debt, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, he was. And he said that was something that was one of the key takeaways he had to share in terms of other folks who might be moving from legacy IT infrastructure to the cloud. He basically said this is your chance to reckon with that debt and fix it and rebuild those systems the right way. And so if you have that opportunity, do it basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say probably a lot of these telcos that you and I have been covering have a huge amount of technical debt. I would say legacy enterprise customers probably also have 
technical debt. Yeah. And the other thing is, that, right, like you don't think about it that much, but think about government agencies too. Right. All of these government agencies that are running on legacy IT infrastructure. Oof. It's a huge transition. And I think there's a lot more moving parts to it than we even realize. So mm-hmm. that's something I think we'll continue to dig into. But yeah, absolutely. Liz, you have more thoughts to share. I just want to give our readers a heads up on what's coming next week. So we're going to take a look at what region is next when it comes to data center build outs. It could be quite shocking. Also, here in the US, we've got the standard big three cloud companies vying for data center domination. But in the rest of the world, that's not the case. There are some other players that stand out. So Diana's going to be taking a look at that. Diana, what else do we have up next week? We also have a look at cloud AI spending based on some information I got from New Street Research. I believe one of our freelancers is also profiling a new AI startup that is backed by, I think it's Microsoft. We have a lot of good stuff on the docket for next week. Yeah. And you have a follow-up interview with the VP of MarTech Data and I think, oh, I can't remember his full title. His title is very complicated, but it's Wayfair's uh, Wayfair. Yeah, yeah. part two of the interview with him. So that's definitely going to be something that our readers are going to want to watch for. I also want to remind our users that we have our Telco Core Strategies event, the virtual event on September 18th. It's free. So please sign on up. Also, you'll be able to submit our Cloud Innovation Awards program. Keep an eye out for the awards platform to open soon. And we're gearing up to host our inaugural Cloud Executive Summit in person in December. So we'll have some speaker announcements for that soon as well. So before we hang up, Diana. Do you have a good dessert story for us? Oh my gosh. I don't have any embarrassing anecdotes, but I can tell you that we are looking at getting another puppy and we just went to go see them. And you guys, if you haven't seen puppies lately in person, they're the cutest heckin' little things and they wiggle around. And it's funny because they go real hard for five minutes and then they just pass out on the floor. It's very cute. They have puppy breath, which if you're not familiar, kind of smells a little bit like skunk. So it's a little bit gross. Puppies are gross, but they're worth it. Okay. They're very gross. They are (laughs) worth it. While you're talking about puppies, a friend of mine was just at, I think the VMware event and they actually had a puppy, puppies on the show floor. And it was with a local rescue company and they had brought in puppies for people to hold and possibly adopt on the show floor, which I think is probably the greatest thing to happen uh, at telco trade shows, if you ask me. (laughs) You know what? Honestly, everybody who wants to get people into their booth needs to have a puppy. Exactly. Uh, That is the best draw that you can imagine. I don't, maybe not the best place for a rescue because so many people come from out of town. I don't know. Puppies are real cute. That is true. I always want to pet the security dogs. I always have to restrain myself. But anyway, we're big fans of puppies here, guys. Big fans. Absolutely. If you check out Silver Linings, you can go to the team page and you will see all of our pets. That's one of the special things about Silver Linings, in addition to a number of other special things. All right, Diana, over to you for the credits. This podcast is written and hosted by Elizabeth Coyne and Diana Gubert. It is edited and produced by Matt Rickman. That's all the time we have for now, guys. We'll see you next week. On the Lunch Ladies. 